Welcome to Humans Are Us, Human Lives, Human Stories, a podcast about ordinary people living extraordinary lives. These are the stories of people that said yes to themselves. Their experiences have helped to make them who they are in this moment. By sharing their personal stories, we hope to inspire others to live their truth. This is a podcast about growth and being one's true, authentic self. Please be advised, this podcast contains adult content and language. Welcome to Humans Are Us, Episode 2. On this week's episode, our guest is activist, dog mom, content creator, model, and porn star, C.C. Growing up in Orangeville with a supportive family, C.C. began her career as a nude model. Now as a self-made porn star and cam girl, she has been making content for over two years. Primarily performing solo, Cece's aim is to empower women. She creates videos that explore fantasies and desires, showing that sex, all forms, as long as everyone is involved, are consenting adults, is a healthy part of life. Hi, Cece. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me today. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for inviting me. As a female in a pretty uh, traditionally male-dominated industry, where both creators and the audience are male, how did you get started in this industry? So, like you said in the intro, which, by the way, was so fabulous. Thank you. Mm. I'm smiling ear to ear. Great. Thank you. Um, (laughs) (laughs) I started modeling first, and that, for me was a chance to kind of explore feeling comfortable with people viewing my body and with my body itself. And I started posting a lot of my photo shoot photos to Instagram and someone had slid into my messages and they were like, they were like, Hey, would you film yourself taking the lingerie off? I'll send you money. And I was just kind of like, wait a second, people will pay money to see my body. Like that's pretty cool. I didn't know my body was that great. And so from there, I kind of started learning about um, camming and making like custom videos for people. And I kind of decided, okay, cool. I can capitalize off of what I look like and my sexuality and kind of explore that side of myself in a way that doesn't actually involve me engaging with other people sexually. And so that was something I was very comfortable with, um, performing solo, as you said, and I just kind of ran with it. That is great. So how old were you then when you, um, I guess, started on that path? I was 19. Oh, such a baby. Well, you're still kind of very young. But yeah, 19, is is that young to get into the industry or do you think it's in your experience, is that pretty standard? I, I think that growing up, I matured rather quickly and certain situations kind of put on me. Yeah. Um, so for myself, I felt like I was in the right headspace to be starting that young. Like I was very informed of, you know, what the risks and rewards were. But I think, would I recommend people to start at a young age with maybe not as much knowledge? No. I definitely think if you are going to start anything, um, even if it's not 
sex work. You should know kind of what you're getting into. Um, I see a lot of people starting rather young and that kind of, I would say like majority of the market for content is, you know, 18 to maybe early 30s. But yeah, it's hard to say. It's interesting that you say that, you know, there are people out there, quite a few young women who are taking on this role. How did you go about getting that knowledge then so that you were informed and you weren't going to be taken advantage of? I had to figure out very quickly who I could trust to have these conversations with and who I couldn't. Mm -hmm. Um, There were definitely some role models for me in the industry that I looked up to. And thankfully, with kind of the network that I had, I was able to connect with these people and very honestly say like, hey, I admire you and I really like how you run your practice, so to speak. Um, I'm looking to kind of do this, this and this. How did you go about it? There were also a lot of people that kind of saw what I was trying to do and you know, I'm very grateful that they took a second to be like, hey, um, you know, just so you know, blah, blah, blah. People just kind of, it was very much um, like a forum of pure knowledge that I just kind of took bits and pieces from. And that's why I kind of, I really enjoy doing things like this where I can talk about my experience in the industry because I think that it's super beneficial to hear from people that are doing this what it's all about. Yeah, because I think there could be some kind of misconceptions about what it exactly entails. Like you said, in anything, knowledge is power. And the more you know, the better it is for you, no matter what you're doing in this life. Especially as women, I think we need to be a bit more um, knowledgeable and a little more aware. When it comes to sex, can be a very powerful and transformative experience. Again, as long as everyone is a consenting adult. In what ways do you think embracing sexuality can be empowering for women? I I was talking about this a while ago mm-hmm. with a friend of mine. And, um, you know, you grow up, depending on what your upbringing looked like, you grow up kind of as a woman thinking that sex is something that happens to you it's not something that you are actively a part of like it is mostly about the men and your job is to be pretty um and just kind of like dumb misogynistic stuff like that yeah um and for me to kind of realize that wait a second I can you know actively voice what I want and I can you know admit to finding pleasure in, you know, this specific kink or interest or this one, that was a very powerful moment for me to be like, I also have a say in how this plays out. And I can also benefit from this experience. It's not about giving the experience to someone else. I think that was very beautifully put because I agree with you. Um, So many people who identify as female or who are born female or are taught that they are on this planet in service of men, especially when it comes to sexual needs. Everything you watch, it's about the man's gratification and whether or not he came. Um, there's not a lot of discussion about, you know, how the female's doing or, or you know, if she was okay or 100% willing participant. Yeah, it, it definitely taught me that 
I am allowed to be enthusiastic about sex. Mm -hmm. I'm allowed to admit that I enjoy it. I'm allowed to, you know, be excited about a certain aspect of it. I don't have to sit here and pretend like, oh, not me. I'm just shy and innocent and wholesome. Um, I can also say like, hey, I really enjoy being eaten out. This is great. The same way a man would proudly say, you know, I enjoy receiving oral sex. Yeah. And I think, you know, having these discussions and how frank you are about coming into you, your needs and being vocal about it, obviously not getting into into too much personal detail here. You know, I'm sure it can be quite interesting having a committed partner um, when you do this kind of work. So what kind of challenges or, you know, specific to this? And I guess, how do you navigate those in a way where you still have a healthy adult relationship? I think that's a great question. And I love talking about this stuff because I think sometimes people believe that because of what I do, I'm never going to have like a normal relationship or Mm -hmm. that a relationship is kind of out of the picture. And I think that's a lot of the fear when girls consider getting into this line of work is, you know, oh, what if, you know, my future husband decides that he is unhappy with the fact that I did this. I think for me, the the major issues that have kind of arised within Mm -hmm. my dating life is jealousy. At the end of the day, my performing and me being an entertainer, it's a job. Um, It's that I thoroughly enjoy and I love making my fans happy, but I'm not doing this for the sake of male attention. Um, I think sometimes men are under the impression that that is like a huge perk for me that I just, I love that. And that's the only reason that I do this. I've also had relationships where within the beginning of the relationship, the man that I'm seeing is like, oh, it's so cool that I'm dating this porn star. This is a huge flex for me. I can tell all my friends. And then as the relationship goes on, they decide that they're intimidated by the amount of attention I'm receiving or they start to get uncomfortable with the fact that people can view my nude body on the internet And so I think that being a sex worker and having a relationship means I have to find someone who understands the realities of what this job means for me and what this job means for my life. And we have to be able to sit down and have those really candid discussions of, you know, how comfortable are we with everything right now? I like what you said about sitting down and having those frank discussions and being open and communicating. Granted, that's key for any, you know, long-term friendship or relationship of any kind. As a young female entrepreneur who obviously, you know, you're in charge of your own business, which is you, what advice do you have for other women looking to be their own boss? Um, When I was younger, I did a lot of, I did like competitive and professional ballet. And, you know, with any sport, um, you're going to kind of learn a little bit about self-discipline and uh, time management and taking care of yourself and things like that. I've had to apply all of those things into being a sex worker. It's very much a transferable skill. I am a huge fan of to-do lists and calendars. I think organization is so sexy. 
it keeps me on top of everything. And I have to kind of sit there and be like, okay, I have three custom videos to film and I have a cam show that I want to do tonight at nine. And I also need to, you know, go grocery shopping and do some errands today. I need to make sure that I can get all of these things done. I also like to make sure that if I am taking any time off, um, it's for the same reason that I would call in sick to any other job. So I really like to make sure that I'm on top of myself. I think it's very easy to work at any job where you have a boss because the boss most of the time is telling you like, you need to do this, this, and this by this due date or time. When you are your own boss. That's all up to you, which can be great. Um, but it also means that you really have to light the fire under your own ass and get stuff done and make sure that you're staying on top of things or else you're not going to run a successful business. Oh, of course. Instead of that boss being the motivator, you have to be your own motivator for sure. So you, you said you like organization. And since I'm also an organization listener, um, what kind of stuff do you use to stay on top of your shit? Um, so I have one of those whiteboard calendars. I have notebooks and notebooks full of to-do lists and filming ideas, um, like video concepts. I also like to do the same thing with photo shoot concepts. I'll jot it all down. What am I going to wear? What kind of mood am I setting for the content I'm creating? A lot of pre-planning because I'm a Virgo. I I live by my iPhone calendar reminders. Even today, before this podcast, I had a reminder set to go off half an hour before so I could hop on the call. No, it's it. You know, it's it's interesting because technology is so helpful in keeping you on top of things, especially in this day and age. Everyone is so busy. But I, I love that you you do things also the old fashioned way where you put pen to paper when it comes to creation. Um, kind of what's your process behind that? One thing I like about doing photo shoots where I'm not filming the content myself um, is that I could come up with, you know, a very detailed and thorough plan for what I want. And then I get there and I explain to the photographer what I kind of had envisioned. And I say, feed on to this. Like, tell me what you think about this. If you think it sucks, tell me. Change it. If you don't like this aspect of my idea, suggest a new one. I really like the brainstorming process and I find that it makes my content better because I could sit here and think that my content is the greatest and take no one else's opinion and maybe it turns out terrible. But if I give an opportunity to kind of feed off others, I might come up with something or we might come up with something that I hadn't even thought of, but it had, it's so much better than what I had originally envisioned. And with my porn concepts, when I'm filming content, um, I really like to take inspiration from my fans directly. So the other day I posted something, I was really bored. Please inspire me to make some content. Give me your weirdest ideas. And if I can do it, I'll make it happen. And someone had given me the idea to film a video where I'm having sex with my imaginary friend. Oh, that's adorable. So I was like sitting there like, this is actually kind of great. It's Mm -hmm. silly. It's fun. It's a little bit hilarious because 
I end up trying to have sex with the air. And again, that's something I never would have thought about. That's not even in my, but it was really great to film. And I was like, wow, this, this turned out actually kind of hot. No, that sounds so magical. I love the idea of crowdsourcing ideas. That's, that's brilliant. And in that, like, I feel like you're truly building a community. You actually have a pussy replication. That is just crazy intriguing to me. Like, how does that become a product? And I didn't realize just anyone could do that. Literally anyone can do it. Um, I believe there's a male alternative as well. Yeah, so I had looked into it because I was very curious and I saw that another sex worker had done it. And I was like, this is ridiculous, but I love it. So I'm going to do it. And I had to do the whole molding process, which was very uncomfortable. <laughs> so basically, female condom with some powdered wax. And I had to pour water in there to make like a gelatin. And then I had to sit there and deal with that. <laughs> and then move it. And then send over photos to the manufacturer of what it all looked like. Yeah, it was a very interesting experience. Definitely the weirdest thing I've ever done with my body. Send the mold back. Actually, no, that's a lie. I'm not even going to say that. But it came out very cool. I had a couple of fans that picked it up and ordered it like within the first couple of days that it was available. And uh, one person actually sent me videos on Twitter, like tweeted videos of him using my replica. That must have been was, surreal. It was very interesting because it's me and it's like an exact to the point model of my vagina, but it's not me at the same time. So I decided to kind of run with that. Now that my replica is available, um, I actually filmed a lot of uh, point of view style porn mm -hmm. so that you kind of pair the point of view style porn with the replica and get the full Cecilia Morel experience. That's a very nice way to kind of bring those two things together. Creating content during COVID-19 has probably changed a lot of things for you, but I guess not really that much because you are a solo, a more of a solo artist. But has it changed anything for you at all? I was reading that the market's getting a little more saturated because more people are getting into it, I guess, to make a little more money or whatever their motivations are. So can you talk to kind of like if anything's changed for you over the past almost, I guess, year now? Um, for me personally, uh, COVID was kind of an opportunity for me to slow down a little bit, not necessarily slow down the production of my content, but to have an opportunity to think more about what I was putting out there and put more quality into what I was creating and what I was releasing. I was saying for months before COVID that I was working too much and I was burning myself out. I didn't see an opportunity for a break. And then COVID kind of hit. I had two weeks where I was like, oh God, what am I going to do? Like, what am I going to do with myself? Yeah. So a because, bit of that COVID panic. Yeah. Because I was so used to being on the go yep. that for me to not be, I was just kind of like lost almost. Yeah. Um, but then I started to really get inspired and put 
I would say more care into my filming and my editing and my brainstorming process. I'm really happy with this opportunity to kind of master my craft more. The market it has changed quite a bit. I have had so many blessings. Um, my fan base is really incredible and I really love them for all the support that they've given me throughout this. I've noticed that OnlyFans and digital sex work or online sex work, I'll refer to it from this point on as, it's become more normalized. We're seeing a lot of women and just people in general who are like, fuck it, I don't have anything else to do, I'll give it a shot. Um, which it's great to see that more people are getting comfortable with the idea of sex work. I think it's also important that people like we were saying at the beginning of this podcast, are educated on what they're getting themselves into. I would be devastated to see people who are out of work because of COVID. They hop into OnlyFans content. They attempt to go back to work after OnlyFans and after the pandemic. And employers don't hire them back because they've indulged in online sex work. I think it's important to know of those risks before you look at it as a viable option. The stigma still exists, but there are a lot of celebrities, there's a lot of organizations and active activists right now that are just doing such a great job really fighting against that stigma. And so I think that although the market and the industry is kind of changing right now, it could be for the greater good. Well, let's hope it does need to change kind of work is never going to go away. And it is work. So speaking of the stigma, Instagram recently updated its terms of service. One of the reasons they stated this is because it could be offensive to some people platform like Instagram, you can kind of get to choose what you see, you know, by who you follow. How has those restrictions um, played a role in your ability to work? I've kind of come up with code words. I think my followers know what I'm talking about. Um, if they've been following me for long enough, they know that, you know, by me saying one thing, it's me meaning another thing. Mm -hmm. A lot of us sex workers are using, you know, different acronyms for our adult-friendly platforms um, so that we can kind of advertise them incognito without getting flagged. One thing I'm noticing is that the guidelines, you know, they are based a bit, like on sex work and kind of sex work cannot be talked about, but it's starting to kind of attack women who aren't sex workers at all. One of the guidelines that I thought was very interesting was if you post a photo and you're fully clothed, but there's cleavage and the facial expression is suggestive, that could be flagged and removed. I, I don't understand how a little bit of cleavage and a facial expression could be suggestive and now you can't post a selfie. So I've kind of moved away from sharing on Instagram. I mostly just share pictures of my dog now. Oh. There is a more sex worker friendly platform. So I've moved to Twitter. I've also kind of developed a little Snapchat squad. I'm very active on Snapchat. I post on Snapchat all the time. And I think there will be a large shift. I think a lot of sex workers are going to move away from Instagram and Facebook. I mean, not that anyone was advertising on Facebook really anyway. They're owned by the same company. It's just not feasible or worth it. 
No, it does seem like they, um, they're basically trying to shut down anything like that. If people want to follow you, where's the best place to do that at? So I have my Snapchat and my Twitter and both are under the username Cecilia Morell. My Instagram is still alive and well, but you won't get any attractive selfies from me anytime soon. And do you have like a website or anything or is just Snapchat and Twitter kind of the best place to follow you? I have my website. Thankfully, I can put my website on social media um, and then have it linked to my OnlyFans and my AVN. I won't tell people right now what my AVN and OnlyFans links are, but if you go to ceciliamorell.com, you can easily find them. Please go visit her website if you're interested, and then you can find those links. And I will put all of Cece's, you know, her Twitter, her Snapchat, and her website on the show notes so you can easily find those and start following her because she's amazing and if you want to see more amazing content of her having sex with her imaginary friend or doing other wonderful weird things yeah you can catch this gorgeous human on her website or yeah on her twitter or snapchat mj thank you so much for having me it was lovely chatting thank you so much hello beautiful humans just a little update to the show notes cc had her snapchat deleted. So her new Snapchat is extra small angel. That's X T R A S M A L L A N G E L. Now go follow her for all her sexy updates. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of humans are us. Never miss an episode by subscribing on Apple podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Remember to rate and review. Enjoyed this episode? Share it with someone you think would love to connect with our growing community. Do you have a story to be shared? Check out our website and send us an email or connect with us on Instagram at humansrs.